What's up, guys? We got Erin Guyton this week on Spector Spotlight, and she's going to introduce herself, but she is kind of the numbers business mind behind IEB. So she's a part of IEB and helps IEB members with the business management, the balance sheet, uh, profit and loss statements. She, she helps really inspection companies formalize and run like bigger companies do with a financial mindset behind it. So she's a brilliant numbers person. I think that's her nickname, Numbers. Um, but it's a great conversation. So I encourage you to dig in and listen to it and try and take something away on kind of the numbers front, managing the business from your profit loss statement, your balance sheet, um, knowing your numbers each month and your margins and kind of your expenses. So great conversation. We'll get into it. A um, couple updates I wanted to give you guys on the updates front on product. So the client portal upsells have been a hit. Um, they've been a hugely popular update, but then we got some feedback that was a little clunky, um, the process of adding them. So props to Megan, our product manager. Um, she's made the update so that, re that requested add-ons are much more easily seen and added within the app. So there's, an, there's a video, an article, I'm gonna link it here. Um, right now it's behind a, what we call a feature flag. So it has to be requested, but it's good. The full release is coming really soon. So that'll be out soon. Um, shout out to Brent P up in Canada. The option for written or wet signatures is coming out soon, specifically important for Canadian inspectors. Um, so that'll be out soon. And then some other small areas to highlight. We've been working on some small UX tweaks um, and feature updates. So the internal box now saves automatically. That's kind of a little thing that I know certain inspectors uh, could just be like a hassle. And then discount codes will display in a drop-down menu versus having to be typed out on the internal scheduling form coming soon. And then we're working on a mobile-friendly interface um, on the calendar, the new calendar options. Megan's been posting this on the Facebook group. Really cool. So live updates, no refreshing needed. Um, an in-calendar search function. I know that's big. And the option to see some inspectors' calendars versus all. So calendaring is finally getting better. I know some of you have been pounding the table on this for years. I've wanted it for years. We're doing it right and we're getting it out there. So uh, make sure to write in and weigh in on this, um, either on the Facebook group or write into the chat um, and give your feedback there. Um, just a few quotes. I like sharing a few quotes from our users. Um, David Turner on our NPS survey said, the support staff on the chat are fabulous. Continuous improvement in design, features, and capabilities by the developers and the vision of the leadership is uncommon and refreshing. I am still learning all that I can do and have many suggestions, but I'm enjoying the journey. Thank you, David. Appreciate you. Um, and Bill Hine on NPS Spector is the best reports, reporting software I've ever used. I've been in the business for 29 years. I've tried most everything. The ease of use, the professional report, automatic emails and texts, ability to customize, pretty much an all-in-one program for the home inspector. Well done, Spectora. Thank you both for those. Um, we appreciate you guys so much. Seriously, the the responses and the support and feedback through the ups and downs and the changes and and, and allowing us to communicate more and better with you guys. Um, you guys push us. You guys push us to keep doing that and be in that way. So um, thank you to anyone that, that feels that way or has feedback for us, good or bad. And we continually want to hear it all. And we're just doubling down on on everything that I think got us here and that that creates a product that you guys know and like but the amount of features we're putting out has me pumped again um our product and engineering teams are firing on all cylinders so um definitely look at the product email that comes out every month that megan sends out but i'm gonna keep updating you guys here um on the intros to the pod as well just to draw attention to some of these things that one could be hugely helpful for you and two for the inspectors that are heads down out there growing their business as you should be you, you need to hear these updates still. So, all right, enough of that. Enjoy the interview with Aaron.
Aaron, hey, how are you? Good. Sorry I'm late. I lost internet, so. Hey. Uh, <laughs> worries? We'll have plenty of time. Good, good. I'm hot spotting off my phone. It seems to be pretty reliable. If you lose me, I'll, I'll find a way to get back on. Hey, no worries. We, yeah. We've dealt with worse on the podcast before. I'm sure. I'm sure like crawl space or an attic or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you been? Oh, I've been great. Been busy. We're in a little kind of, um, like, you know, growth change hiring sprint. And so, you know, the new year always brings change. I think for most businesses, I think most people can relate to that. Yeah. How about you? So thanks for joining. Um, if you're cool with it, we just usually roll. We keep it pretty yeah. casual here. Yeah, so. that's great. I'm, I like to wing it. <laughs> uh, awesome. You're, I know you're more than comfortable with that. I've seen you on stage and you just give killer presentations. So um, for those that don't know you, I would love to hear kind of how you um, kind of talk about yourself, how you um, identify and what you do, and would love to introduce you to everyone. Oh, great. Uh, so I'll see if I can do the short story, because uh, I usually am very interested in people's career paths, right? How do you end up doing what you do? Um, I started out um, a classically trained artist. So I graduated with an art degree and instantly found out that, you know, artists don't make a lot of money. <laughs> I, I took a job in an office and I fell in love with numbers. I felt, and I, that was the early advent of spreadsheets. So I taught myself how to use spreadsheets and, um, I learned, I learned how to solve problems with numbers. And so I worked in business for a long time, started one of my own, helped somebody grow a business. And I was at a crossroads and a mentor said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't want to be like the creative artist person who's good at numbers. I want to be creative in solving problems for business. I want to know why I know what I know. And he said, go get your MBA. So I found three in the country that would let you into business school with an art degree mm -hmm. and got accepted and chose the one in, in Charleston, South Carolina. And it was a one-year program because I'm short attention span. I just had to do it in one year and bang it out. So it, it was a full-time program. Wow. So sold, sold my house, moved to Charleston for a year and got my degree. And when, when I came out, I was doing some work writing business plans. Which is still what I do. I am, you know, I'm primarily a writer. I write business plans for all different kinds of industries, and I was working with a home inspection company. Did and I said, "What's your market share?" He said, "Nobody talks about that." You know, <laughs> and and this was, you know, this was, this was back in 2017. Sure. And I said, "Let me do your market share," and then I started doing some more work, and then, uh, you know, I went to a couple of the home inspection conferences. Got sucked into the home inspection business. <laughs> for yeah, about, I want to ask about years. that. Yeah, what? for about three years. And, um, you know, I ended up leaving to do my full time business plan writing was take I was working 50, 60 hours a week, home inspection and business plan writing. Mm -hmm. 2020 went full out on my own. And, um, and then I'm still with the community IEB. I'm still I'm, I'm a coach with IEB as well. So inspector empire builder. So I, I primarily work with home inspection clients for coaching, but I also work with pest control and other industries. Uh, and then I write the business plans. So amazing journey. I want to, I want to dig into a lot of that. How, how did you connect with IEB initially? Was it through that one home inspector that you had met? Yeah. 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 And so I was working with him on a, on a consultant part-time basis and we went to an IEB conference. And I think what attracted me about IEB was it seemed very systemic and I like systems. <clears throat> and it seemed to me like there was going to be a little more conversation about numbers as opposed to like the marketing side of the business. And, um, and I went there instantly was like, these are my people. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I felt the same way. Very refreshing, a higher level of conversation around maturing the business owners in our space, because a lot of times they are 
operators, as you found. Um, let's see. Oh, okay, uh, we're back. We're back. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, I heard you say a higher level conversation. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I love IEB, and I think we were probably both attracted to their organization for similar reasons. That the the conversation is higher level, and they're all about leveling up operators into business owners. And I think our industry. Uh, many of the trades, frankly, need that because they're used to working with their hands, right? And fixing things and seeing things, you know, in real life. And so um, I love that application. First of all, there's only three colleges in the country that um, MBAs that allow you in without or as far as I know, yeah, wow. that were like an MBA program. There might be more that could do like the executive MBA, which was going at night. But I mm -hmm. wanted I wanted a fully accredited college and mm -hmm. um and and I wanted to do it in a year or a year and a half. So That's there were great. three. There were three. I found one's in Seattle, uh, which you know is so far away. Although I would have loved to go there. And the other one's in Pittsburgh. And I'm a diehard Baltimore Ravens fan. And I just couldn't. Could conscious could go to school. No offense. Um, well, let's let's dig into some of the work you've done with IEB because I've seen you speak on stage. I've seen the impact of your work, um, and it's amazing. I think our industry sorely, you know, desperately needs it. Can you talk a little. Um, about the type of work and kind of the impact you've seen it have on some of these companies? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, my work with IEB kind of falls into three categories. I have my volunteer work I do. So when you see me at a conference, um, I'm a volunteer coach for IEB mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and they'll, they'll, um, they'll bring me into the conference and we, we try and teach something valuable and actionable that people can take with. And, uh, and I volunteer monthly, I coach a monthly call and then I partner with them on this really cool, um, short-term class called E12, mm -hmm. where I get 12 businesses of similar size. We sanitize their financial statements, make them anonymous. And then everyone learns how to review their friends' financials. And by going through the process of looking at different sets of books, uh, we're on, I think, our, our ninth class right now. The financial acumen of the people in the class um, has, has grown substantially, and it's really, really fun to see. And then uh, I create video content for them. So there's a lot of video content and templates and tools. So, you know, instead of just saying you should know your break-even analysis, I've created like a template. Oh, okay. So for inspectors listening, so if <laughs> let's start even with, you know, some basic kind of like balance sheet, profit loss statements. So you're, edu you're, you're kind of letting them get insight into how to think about their business from a different lens, right? Other than just logging into their, you know, spector and saying, oh, I did this many inspections. Exactly. Great. Exactly. Yeah. There's any number of other different business metrics. When I look at a profit and loss, I don't just look at that profit margin number. You know, I, we look at how to look at a statement of cash flows. Uh, it can be really mm -hmm. confusing to a business when your profit margin says, you know, you 15%. And you look at the dollar amount and you're like, then why don't I have that much in the bank? And it, your statement of cash flows can come into play. And that could be like a, you, you have a car payment and part of that car payment goes on your balance sheet to show that your debt has been reduced. And um, when we get a balance sheet, we look at, um, I'm big into marketing numbers. My focus in the master's of business program was I have an MBA with a focus in marketing. Mm -hmm. And so when I say marketing, I actually mean almost more of an analysis, right? Like what is your market share? Are you growing as fast as your market or slower? Uh, what is your ROI on your marketing activities? So we get into some of those numbers as well. And um, I mean, there's, you know, I love number. My nickname's numbers. Like, you know, yeah. show yeah. me an inspection company and I'll show you all the fun numbers. What percent of inspection companies that you've come into contact with, would you say 
don't have answers to those basic like market share and ROI on marketing questions? Wow, that's really good. I would say uh, a majority. <laughs> yeah. a majority. I would have guessed I've 90 worked, plus percent, worked, to be honest. I've worked with over, I'm, I'm approaching a hundred inspection companies that I've worked with whose numbers I've seen. And mm -hmm. I do, you know, I do private coaching as well, as well as my volunteer coaching. Mm -hmm. And doing a market share is usually the first thing I do. So out of those companies, none of them already have a market share or they're confused about how to do it. 3% um, of the people I've talked to have a marketing budget. Like 3%. Three. In three a business where in a business where you are marketing yourself at all times. Yeah. In a way that it's written down that they can share it with their marketing right. team. Intentional. And they can say, yeah, this is our budget for the year and we've thought it out and right. we're going to do this much in sponsorship and we're going to do this much in digital and whatnot. Yeah. That's, I, I guess it's not surprising and that's good. I mean, I think that means there's room for improvement. There's room for intentionality there. What, what do you, is there a mentality shift that needs to happen when you first start working with inspectors to manage their business in this way, work on their business instead of in it? Um, yeah. what, what are some of the, I guess, push, is there pushback ever, or is it like, does it just click sometimes? Like, can you speak to kind of the mentality shift that inspectors maybe that are listening that would have to go through to say, you can't do the same thing you've always done. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's an excellent question, Kevin. Uh, I think the biggest mentality shift is, is to not, is, is, is stopping thinking about that top line revenue number and starting to think about what I call your economic model. Mm. So you could have a model where you want to provide massive opportunity for a bunch of people and you want just enough profit to pay yourself well. And that could be your goal. Your model could be that you want to profit so much that you can give a lot back to your community. And part of it could be like you want to be so profitable, you want to increase your valuation so you could sell. There's lots right. of different business models. The mentality shift is when inspectors realize a model is something that's in their control. Mm. And they, they, they purposefully build it out as opposed to trying to be like reactive and catch up to things that have happened. Uh, the other part of it is stopping to think in terms of how many inspections do I need to do to, to justify this cost. One of my um, favorite examples is um, somebody wants you to sponsor something for $1,500 and your average fee is $500. Mm -hmm. There is a tendency to say, um, I just need to do three inspections and right. that was paid for itself, right? Yeah, but it's not because you may be only keeping $50 from each inspection. So there is a really smart potential client that I talked to a couple of weeks ago who said, I hate looking at a p and I don't like it. It doesn't talk to me. He goes, what talks to me is the dollars and pennies um, that I make on every inspection. And I know, I know my marketing cost is exactly X per inspection. I know my my office function is exactly X of every inspection. And so, you know, it it doesn't matter which way you know it, but as long as you know it and it's of your design, that's when it starts to shift. That's a really great way of illustrating that. Yeah, because I think there's multiple models and ways of thinking about it, but it's the intentionality because <clears throat> a high majority of inspection companies, I think, just the business kind of controls them and dictates what they do and how they respond versus them saying, what do I need my business to do for me? And I hear you say that a lot at conferences, you know, at IEB, that's a big theme of saying like, you have to figure out, this is a mechanism and, and a thing that gives you the lifestyle you want. Mm -hmm. And it has to be intentional and through numbers. Cause those 
don't lie. You know, it's like the biggest, <laughs> you know, that's the, your the business talking the to you. Yeah. That is your business communicating with you. Uh, it speaks, it speaks numbers. So I guess, you know, for, to just make it practical for anyone listening, what, what would be kind of a, a basic exercise or something very simple that, um, you know, if someone just came off the street and said like, Aaron, like, how do I like I'm lost? How do I even get started thinking about this world? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to go back to basics, even without getting into numbers, just getting into like a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite business book is the E-Myth. It's like, a, you know, it's classic. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's the shift from, from being a technician who is really good at something to somebody who actually wants to systemize and run a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the next step, I would say, um, stop doing your own books. And, or how about to start doing books, but don't do them yourself. And, um, you know, I would say one thing I see very frequently in the community is intermingling of expenses that you're going to write off on your taxes that, that, that may benefit only you and you alone Mm. with other expenses that are necessary to run your business. So if you don't, if you don't know, it's like flying blind. Right. So yeah. the very beginning is, is, you know, if you don't, there are three bookkeeping companies in the U S that, that specialize in working with home inspection companies. You could go to one of them. Mm-hmm. You could go to a local bookkeeper and um, talk to your peers about how their what their books look like, uh, you know, emulate somebody uh, who you look up to and admire and ask them what their books look like and, and just get started. You know, I like to say all I really do all day long is take a dollar turn it into a hundred pennies and put it into buckets. <laughs> and that's really all bookkeeping is. You're just yeah. taking every dollar that comes in and you're saying, what bucket does it go in? And um, don't be afraid to look. Don't be afraid to look. Um, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And it's an exposure and repetition thing. Like I, I haven't always loved managing from a PL or a cash flow statement, but the more you look at the spreadsheets, the more you try and filter columns and stumble through it, I think a comfort level, you know, you start to have some comfort level doing it. So for anyone listening, that's, you know, terrified of looking at a spreadsheet, it gets easier every time you do it. And I think you just have to start staring at the numbers sometimes, even if they don't make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Then a number with a dollar sign is a percentage. So that would be another back to basics thing is mm-hmm. look at every expense as in a percent of revenue. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, if you're comparing 2021 to 2022, which for most of my clients were vastly different years. <laughs> you look at your, your spending as a percentage and you might see that your auto expense went from 2% of every dollar up to 7% of every dollar. You know, um, if you add benefits or you add fuel or you add um, perks for your inspectors, if you see what that is as a percent of revenue, um, that that may stick with you until you adjust it. And right. it's easier to see differences between years from a percentage standpoint than it is from a dollar standpoint. That is a great Simple, but practical piece of advice. I love that. And I love how you guys do a lot of benchmarking within IEB too, in terms of percent spend. We do. Um, you know, th- this was an, this is a really interesting question because this has been <clears throat> something that a lot of the people in IEB want to know. 
how much did I spend in each department as a percent of revenue? They mm -hmm. all want to know it. Um, but I, I fear that some of them want to know it because it's like a treasure map. Like if you just do uh, A, B, and C exactly right. in order, then right. you're going to get this profit. And those numbers change at your size of business. There are periods in your business um, if between $750,000 and a million in revenue in the home inspection business. There are a lot of people I know, my clients are just bumping up against a million and can't get over it. And it's because we call them the awkward, awkward teenage years. <laughs> the margins are going to look different there than they are at other levels. So for IEB, I've created something I call lanes, which are not averages, but it's where I think you can stay in a lane safely and sustainably at every size of business. Oh, okay. So you're saying like it's it's kind of like a guardrails or bumpers, not a prescriptive like you have to be exactly eighteen percent profit margins or you're failing and not going to grow. It's it's kind of ranges and guidelines. Exactly. And then I've created guard. Funny you say guardrails because I've also created guardrails. So my lanes are when you get to the guardrail, doesn't mean it's bad. Mm -hmm. Just means you should you should understand why, and that should be a decision you made, not something that happened to you accidentally. I like this. This is. This is helping a ton. Um, and so we we reached out to you or I, I, I think we got in touch somehow because we <clears throat> we hear from inspectors the features they want. That's not always the the business minded numbers driven person perspective. And so I think we came to you and said, hey, like what should inspectors be looking at in their like Spector advanced dashboard? to drive their business. So we could just riff on this for a second of like how you think we can make positive changes to put, put the right metrics in front of them too, because some inspectors don't know what they should be looking at <laughs> every day. Right. That's okay. Right. That's okay. <clears throat> yeah. You know, one of the first things I did when I got my first spreadsheet and, and I worked in a business and I went to my boss and I'm like, do you know that 10% of your workforce is named Robert? <laughs> he said, go back and tell me something I can use. <laughs> right? So, you know, then, then I figured out, okay, what are the things in business that tell you something? I guess the whole genesis of me being interested in this was I was at an IEB conference and I started talking to James Dixon mm -hmm. and we found out we went to the same college and, you know, he said, what would you like to see in Spectora? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and then like an hour and 20 minutes later, we were still gabbing. <laughs> I think we think similarly, you know, yeah. and so we we just, we talked up a storm. Um, your business has metrics in every aspect, right? Like you have financial metrics, right? What mm -hmm. is our revenue? Um, but beyond that, you could drill down 20 things about your finance, like um, how do the payments come in? That's super important because if your Spectora says $500,000 and your bank says, $475,000, it'd be nice if you knew where that 25 came from. Things, you know, things like exactly. that, unpaid inspections. Um, mm. And then you've got all of your metrics surrounding the inspection itself. What are the most popular products and services, average fees? Um, can, you, can you drill down that some? And then you've got all of your real estate agent things you need to know, like who's using us and how often and, and stuff like that. And then you have... Um, your, what I call your client care metrics. And mm. so when I'm working with someone, no matter which software they use, I get myself a login and I just, I just export. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I take it and I turn it into all the reports I want to know. Yeah. And that's really interesting <clears throat> because I think in an ideal world, all the reports you really needed 
would be on the menu there for you. You wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to engage someone like me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think it, that's part of why, you know, we, we tapped on you for this because it's like, you're, if you're telling people to arrive at certain data points, export some data so they can get the insights um, rather than you just saying like, Hey, go add this chart in your dashboard. This will help you manage your business better. Uh, that just shortcuts everyone a little bit of manual work, I think. And that's, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Classic one is something you guys just added, which was on my number one on my wish list was counties. Counties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the county of the inspection, I think, is going to be able to be captured. And what that does is most real estate uh, associations publish their real estate data by county, not by city. Ah, Right. It'll be like um, wherever I, I'm the Queen Anne's County Association of Realtors. It wouldn't just be the city of Chester. Right. So um, by capturing a county that helps people do their market share. Right. Because so you it's just do little it. things. Yeah. Just little things like that. That's beautiful. That's to me, that's amazing because yeah. And if you're not tracking market share, how do you really, if they're flying blind. And that to me is like almost the most basic metric everyone could probably get started on today. Yeah. And it's, and, and again, it's not necessarily what your market share is. It's where it's trending. So, you know, for example, you could be up by 10%, but your market could be up by 20%. Mm. In that case, you're losing market share, <clears throat> even though your numbers are up, you know, and what I'm seeing now with markets down is that some of my clients are losing market share. Uh, in other words, that they're just losing market share. Some of it is that people are not doing inspections, like those who waive an inspection are picking up market share. Uh, but a lot of my clients are gaining market share. And what that means is there's fewer inspections, but somebody's got to do the ones that remain and they're getting it. This is a really important topic right now. So can you speak a little to how you saw this transform through COVID? Because there's the saying that like growth, you know, hides you know, what, you know, name, insert negative thing in your business, that growth can hide right. everything. Everyone, everyone yeah. is riding the tide higher. Have you seen some harsh reality? You know, some inspectors face the harsh realities these last few months of realizing that like they were riding the wave, not necessarily making yes. their business more efficient or, or stronger. Yeah. I tell you what I've, I've seen, I mean, it's, it's very rare where I see somebody whose market has just done you know, crazy well in 2022, pretty much everybody's down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I kind of see people fall into two camps where this is concerned. Um, I mean, the first camp, unfortunately, is when, when times are great, they're doing great. And when times are bad, the market's down. <laughs> right. There's no, there's no sense of personal um, investment there. Right. And so you're just basically the market goes up, you'll go up, the market goes down, you'll go down. Then there are those who realize the markets are down and um, those fall into two camps. There are people who realize the market's down. They've made changes to their economic model. They've made some hard decisions and they've maintained their profitability. There are those that realize the market's down. They have the whole infrastructure of a bigger company. Like they hired people and they brought people in and they did all this stuff. And then the business didn't come. And so, but as long as they understand which camp they're in, um, those who have, have saved and planned and have found a way to, to get through without too much trouble. Um, some of them are finding that they're picking up market share. 
And this is really important for a couple of reasons. First of all, some of them know they're picking up market share because a lot of the single operators in their, in their market have come to them looking for work. Mm. So that would be one indicator to them. Um, um, but picking up market share in a down market, you got the share, you got the loyalty. When the market goes back up and you're at a higher market share, you should be doing better than, than you did in 2021. 100%. So yeah. is this a time when inspectors should maybe um, try to be greedy when others are fearful and, and focus a little more on marketing and kind of win yes. mind share and market share now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, marketing is the first thing people nix traditionally right. in, in other industries, right? right? Any in recession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, this is, this is a time to get clear on your marketing metrics. Um, this is the time to get super clear on your marketing metrics. Um, I, the, one of the things I advise everyone I talk to is know the reason every single real estate agent comes to you. And if they're a regular, then that's a reason, regular agent. Right. If they're a new agent, how'd you find us? Did I attend one of your presentations? Did I see you? Did my client choose you themselves because they saw your Google ad? You know, if you get really clear on, on your marketing metrics and you write a budget, and then you know your ROI, and then you get clear on your agent metrics. Um, what's the average number of uses per, per every agent? Uh, you look at those numbers and you see how they're trending over time. You get your marketing function into a really great machine. Uh, yeah, and but I you think, have to know what works for you. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the gap with most inspectors is the confidence to kind of turn the dial up or spend more is not there because of the lack of numbers and visibility. So it's like one, if you know things that are certain, like the numbers, then you actually feel confident because you know, the money's being put to good use. I think that's like obvious, but I think it's a lot of, there's probably inspectors nodding their heads because there's always that fear of just lighting money on fire when it comes to marketing <laughs> with inspectors. Yeah. So that's like the common kind of and it's that. confusing and it's super confusing. Like often the people who tell you how much to spend on marketing are the people selling you the marketing. Yeah. And yes. in like, <clears throat> in, for example, in digital, it's considered a success if it's got a five to one return. So if you spent a thousand dollars, they consider it successful if you do $5,000 worth of inspections because of it. But at your profit margin might be that you made $900. So you've really just lost a hundred dollars there. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, you've got residual business that comes in. And, and if you can find a way to count that, your ROI goes up. But um, yeah, what to spend on marketing is really confusing to a lot of people. And that's why I always like to say it's an iterative process. You know, spend review. Spend, spend review. Yeah. Okay. So there's no there's no set playbook in terms of uh agent presentations, sponsored events versus digital versus ads. There's no um you don't see any like commonalities among how marketing budgets are spent do you it's like uh, no it's all it's relative to several things uh in fact that's one of the topics i'm going to be talking about at the IB unite conference in may is is how do you craft a marketing strategy because mm -hmm. it's not like a playbook and 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 somebody once said what got you here won't get you there so there used to be metrics like how many offices do you visit per inspector how many right. presentations do you do a month um, the world's a different, the world's different. And, 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 you know, when maybe only one inspector in town was doing these presentations and these visits, it was, it was a unique thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's, um, 
I'm seeing increasing numbers of people getting their business from, from digital, right? And, um, or repeat clients. I mean, that's another thing. So your marketing strategy really depends on how big your market is, how long you've been in business. Are you going to like grab new agents? Or are you trying to retain the ones you have? Or what is your mix of all that stuff? Um, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I wish there was a, a magic marketing formula, but yeah. I mean, market, <laughs> yeah. even marketing ROI is really hard to calculate. It's tough. I mean, you and I, I maybe identify as like marketers or part-time and it's like the bane of our existence sometimes is attribution of knowing truly where that came from and what made that customer sign up or pay or use you. And it's, uh, it's tough because there's social, there's email newsletters, there's organic, there's phone calls. You know, and all of this is going to hopefully into someone's economic model or marketing model. Yeah. Plus all, you know, and often there's the one like, oh, I was recommended by a fellow agent. Well, then you don't know where that fellow agent found you. So right, it, it, right. Can get, it can get super complicated. Um, but, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. If you just have to take a clipboard and, and just with a pencil write down how every agent finds you, that's better than doing nothing. That's I almost want to repeat that. It's so good of like just <laughs> trying your best at documenting anything is a bet is a good start because I, I believe that's the starting point a lot of inspectors are at yeah i mean you know there the uh, even things like a closing ratio of people in your office mm -hmm. you know there was um when i was working in the inspection industry there i was tracking that every week and reviewing it with with a team and then COVID hit and everything went remote and i wasn't tracking it anymore because mm -hmm. we weren't in the same office and the closing <clears throat> ratio decreased by 50%. So it went from 80% close ratio to 40. Are you saying when of... someone calls into an inspection company, like closing yeah. the inspection? Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. So I had, I'd like to book an inspection. 80% of those were getting closed and mm -hmm. it went down to 40 in Ooh. a matter of two months, just from not being tracked. And wow. Then, yeah. What a better illustration of like what gets tracked gets moved or like whatever you track you can make a difference on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, and the method I was using to track it was a clipboard and a pencil. You know, it's just, I didn't, yeah. didn't need to wait for the perfect um, VOIP for me to do this this metric. So yeah. Yeah, just yeah I, bet pe I bet people would be surprised at how many um, Google Sheets or Excel docs you and I use. Like everyone thinks, oh, you have, you have to have some sophisticated tool. I still use Google Sheets for a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way it goes. So- are there, let's, um, let's talk about what other kind of pivots or how other ways inspectors should be thinking of this year. Cause this year could be tough. Um, it could continue. It could continue to be tough. We don't know. Um, neither of us have a crystal ball, but there's a lot of inspectors. I think that are bracing for a tough, maybe flat type market where there's less mm -hmm. volume. What are some other things, you know, you're hearing inspectors talk about other things you're kind of recommending they do or mindset shifts for the year. Hmm. Uh, I'd say a, a current one is, you know, really good business people trying to find alternate streams of revenue, mm. right? And sometimes there is there they there they add an ancillary service that the cost of goods on it ends up being higher than the ancillary. Or in order to encourage inspectors to sell things like mold testing, they offer extra bonuses if you do this and that, and you know, uh, we'll give you 25 for this and we'll give you 10 for that. And we'll give you 15 for that. Okay. Um, looking at your cost of goods 
every month is crucial because you could find that you've added a service that's raised your average fee, but you're losing money because of it. Oh, so, okay. So like an example would be like sewer scope or, you know, yeah. whatever, insert yeah. any other service. Insert any other service. Yeah. Just, you have to know the true cost of every one of those. Because if they're not, then they're just doing all this extra work and logistics for like yeah. no pay basically. Right. Yeah. And if it's, if it's close, let's just say you add, you're not doing radon testing and you add radon for 150 and your cost is 145. Um, but that's your cost of like, you have to pay somebody else to run around to do it. And then you have to pay the client care people extra to book it. And, you know, it, it can't be too close because if it's too close, it's probably a loser. So um, that's one mindset shift. Um, another one, um, as far as mindset that I actually see quite frequently is let's just say you are getting ready to add team or you've got inspectors. Mm -hmm. Um there is a tendency for people to want to pay inspectors what they feel they were worth as an inspector. Interesting. Yeah. Because most sense. inspection company business owners were inspectors. Right. So um, you, they're like, well, they can't, I can't pay them that. That's just not enough. <laughs> and, but you as the owner, we're taking all the risk and paying all the bills and doing all the business building and, and this and that. Right. right. So um, that, that would be one shift. Um, to reevaluate comp. I think everyone, yeah, every, everyone should be reevaluating how they pay the method. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Now, as far as financials, um, one piece of advice I give regularly is whenever you run your payroll, whatever that number is, plus your employer taxes and anything else that you add on, Take that whole dollar amount instantly before payday and park it in, in a payroll account. This way, you're never blindsided by your employment taxes. The money's there from the get-go. Um, a profit-first style plan of saving. Uh, what, is, what does that mean for those? It's, that a, book, it's a book called, yeah, it's a book called Profit First. And to be honest, I've not read it, but the way I like to describe it is if you want to go on a diet, just get a smaller plate. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> it's, the, it's the idea of taking the money and parking it elsewhere before you can get to it. Um, and I've not read the book and this may be addressed in the book, but I like the idea of not doing the same amount or percentage every month. I like in, in the busier months being more aggressive with my saving, be really aggressive you know, when real estate is up and, and get the money parked. Um, and there's companies right now that are benefiting from that. The ones that did save for a rainy day to use a tired cliche over the two COVID years, basically where things were off to the races. I was always hoping that companies were parking some of that away, knowing that they're going to need to have some lean months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as, as shifting and, and alternate streams of revenue, uh, there are, are a lot of people that are getting into vertical businesses uh, as opposed to adding like horizontal services onto their home inspection business. They're getting actually into, into home services businesses, right? Um, classic one would be like pest control mm -hmm. or holiday lights is, is a hot one. Yeah. Um, I would love for any inspector who's listening to understand the value of their leads. And, 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 and so I, this was probably a few months ago uh, Angie, which is, was Angie's list, it's A-N-G-I or A-N-J-I, mm -hmm. yep. uh, published that the home services industry was a $657 billion industry. 
Now, if you divide that by roughly the number of homes in the United States, that means each lead is worth $6,570. I know people who are giving it away for 15, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's stunning. That, I mean, that, okay. So I have a, I, I occasionally go on a tangent like this. So I know, and I, yeah, I B circles, you, you, you know, I think the same way about this, I believe that's massive opportunity. Right. And if you just asked an inspector, any average inspector, if you believe some of that commerce and should be happening within our industry or outside of it, what would you prefer? You'd get a ton of mixed answers because I think I, I want to ask you, do you see and hear whether it's fear of success or fear of the unknown with inspection companies even thinking about this? Because you ask an inspection company, hey, would you ever create a pest control business or do holiday lights or get into anything else? The answer typically is like, oh, I don't know, too much liability. That's not my lane. I'm just a home inspector. That's the average answer you get. That doesn't happen in IEB. Obviously, it's a you know a, a sub a different subset. But yeah, yeah. What 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 do you think in terms of like inspectors' perspectives by default on what you just mentioned? Like the size of the industry is so hard to ignore. Yeah, um, there is a book I read, and I I won't tell you it's an easy book to read. It's really pretty dry, but it's called The Innovator's Dilemma. Mm. It's by a guy named Clayton Christensen. And, um, and it's not a new book. It's been around a long, long time, yeah. but, um, I spent a whole semester in my master's program studying disruption. And that book was one of the first things we read. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't, I can't think of an industry that won't someday be disrupted in some way. Right. I mean, right. Some people used to make the best horse and buggies. <laughs> Got disrupted. Right? Yep. And people are always going to need a horse and buggy. You know, and so, so I don't see, I don't see, I, I don't see any industry as, as recession, even medicine, you know, what's medicine going to look like 50 years from now. Right. So um, in the book, Christensen talks about when these things start to happen, that people frequently revert to their, their values and what they hold dear. And, um, you know, when, when, when it happened to Polaroid, Polaroid was like, well, people are always going to want their pictures on paper, you know, and they're right. going to want high quality print. Nobody's going to want to develop their own film. <laughs> and um, so I, I see some of this in the home inspection industry and in that, in that nobody, nobody can inspect a house like a human being. And, um, you know, where, where I get really encouraged is where I see people like, okay, home inspection is not going to go away but it's going to change in some way. And how can I capitalize on that? And how can I create something sustainable? Uh, if you don't like holiday lights, it might be something else you do, but I mean, home services is a very broad field. You know, there's got to be something that your leads um, can do for you. And the beauty is so many inspectors come from somewhere else in the home services industry or something tangential or related. And so it should feel um, comfortable almost, or, or close to home to be able to think outside the box and say, what else yeah. does the average homeowner need after they move? In? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the, um, some of them, some of them are not high margin businesses and that True. could be part of the, you know, um, classically HVAC roofing, plumbing, and electrical, um, seem like high ticket items, but they have pretty low margins. Um, holiday lights has really great margins. 
Um, so, <laughs> you know, it, can, you, can you pick something that has a margin that you can live with that you like that is somewhat related? Uh, and if not, if you were going to be if you are going to be giving your leads to somebody else, like a concierge service or something, can you um, negotiate? You know, if this thing's worth six thousand five hundred seventy and somebody's offering you fifteen. It's a big um, delta there. I think I've just, I think I've just, <laughs> I just ticked off all the lead generation people in the United States. Hey, you know, in, in, in the the elephant in the room is kind of, you know, the porches of the world, American Family Insurance is being in our industry and mm-hmm. they they clearly saw something and they clearly sure. they clearly know these numbers. And um, I think that conversation just needs to happen more and more just for everyone to be aware of it. Yeah. That's, that's the and, thing. And it's not the info. It's not, it's not the mailing list and the email addresses and the info. It, it, it's the first relationship of trust. Right. I mean, yeah, the real estate agent has a first relationship of trust, but how many, how many transactions will a top agent do as compared to how many inspections will a home inspection company do? Right. Right. right? Do you so, believe inspectors are too liability scared or conscious in general? Uh, I'm putting you on I, the spot. I'm putting you on no, the spot. here. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe that they're too liability conscious. I believe that they are too closely related to how they feel about their work. Mm. In other words, if you have an unhappy camper and, and complaints is one of the, the first just awful things about growing your inspection business. I mean, you know, everybody says that was when it got really hard, right? <laughs> Dealing with complaints. Yeah. Um, and, and when I was in client care, my whole thing was, I don't have to be right. I just have to get this solved. Mm. And and sometimes solving it is just writing a check. And and there are some people that go there so fast because they're conflict averse. And then there are people that end up spending thousands of hours worth of thousands of dollars worth of hours of their own time to be right. Yeah. Right. 100%. So liability. There's a document you can get on the internet. Um, and I wish I knew exactly what it was. I think it was one of the big insurance companies like Hanover or something. Um, limitation of liability for home inspection by state lists every state in the nation. And what is your limitation of liability? So if you find that you're in a state that has upheld the limitation of liability, you you might rest a little easier. Although, you know, the world changes and these things are changing from state to state, um, which brings me to one other, (laughs) one other, um, point. And one thing I would love to see home inspection companies stop doing is getting legal advice on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm serious because think Uh, about it this way. How much does a home inspection cost? What, 500 bucks? Yeah, 450. Is that a good good value to protect the biggest investment of your life? I'd say, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So spending $500 with a lawyer who specializes in either... um, you know, liability from claims or a lawyer who specializes in human resource law to find out the legality of how you should be paying your inspectors, like 500 bucks, get a friend in the same state and split it 250 bucks for legal advice. Yeah. As opposed to the Internachi forum where it's the same 10 guys in there, you know, answering questions. Yeah. 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 And also the law doesn't care how you feel. Or how you view, you know, I view my inspector as a contractor. The law doesn't care, you know. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that they are alternately, inspection companies are alternately concerned about liability, yet also a little carefree about the legal advice. 
Yeah, 100%. And let me back up and and give you the context for my question. I think it's more of a communication issue when we talk about other verticals, other types of businesses that you and I know lots of companies in IB are doing and and doing really well in terms of offering other services that homeowners need and want. Mm-hmm. I think inspectors always immediate some inspectors immediately think they're going to point out something that's wrong and then offer the solution to the home buyer in like a uh, malicious way. And we're not talking about that. <laughs> we're not saying <laughs> First of all, we're not saying you're going to point out that the roof is leaking and then show up with your roofing team the next day. We're saying actual value adds that the home buyer is going to find anyway. Can you offer it? And can you do it with integrity? And can you do it with like, uh, you know, and feel good about the work you're doing? Um, When you put it that way, it's like, I bet a lot of inspectors would be open to saying, okay, how do I find other revenue streams? What other businesses could I stand up? And it's relational. It's, it's relational, that type of work. So like, because I know so many home inspectors, you know, uh, there's not a question about my house. I can't get answered. <laughs> you know how <laughs> right. comforting that is? That is super comforting. Um, you know, and, and all of them would be shocked to know that I've got a federal Pacific panel, which I'm working on to <laughs> remedy. <laughs> You know, I was zooming with somebody and I was showing this one of my panel and I'm like, is that a federal Pacific panel? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's relational, right? You've got a relationship of trust. And yes, if you can do that with integrity, I, I don't think it seems um, um, like you're preying on your home inspection customers to try and get business. They're going to, they're going to hire somebody else to do it anyway. Right. 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 Yeah. I think we can't hold ourselves back from opportunity or growth as an industry. Um, you know, and there's so many areas that I want to see grow that we don't benefit from the Spectora, you know, or myself wouldn't benefit from, but I want to see inspectors businesses grow in general, because I have always felt inspections are underpriced by like a hundred percent, at least. Yeah. Like I, oh, definitely. I think it's a thousand dollars of value for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. now how we get that price higher is a whole nother story in terms of barrier, you know, the barriers to entry in the industry, anyone can get in. What do you think the future holds for the industry in terms of consolidation? You know, the bigger companies have gotten a lot bigger the last few years. They're buying yeah. other companies. Where do, you, where do you see the future heading in terms of those dynamics? Do you know what I'm seeing is I'm seeing smaller companies by other companies. No kidding. Like yeah. how small? Um, like a million dollar company, like a $700,000 company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of a lot of this because I frequently get asked to, somebody wants to, like, I've you know, I've got a client who is smaller and they're buying a company who's also smaller. And, uh, and they asked me to look at the books and, books. you know, see what I think about what I think about the, um, the purchase. And um, so I see consolidation happening with bigger companies and with smaller companies. Uh, I, I don't think it's not, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think, I think it can only improve the industry. And I think um, what consolidation will do is put a focus on how tidy is your business model? Because mm. if you decide, if you decide you want to exit your business and you don't have anybody in your family who wants to take it over, and you don't want to be an owner investor who's an absentee and just takes the profits. If you actually want to sell your business, you have to start paying attention to your business model to make sure that it's saleable. And so I think with the consolidation in this industry, I, I think um, 
I think people's people's books are going to start looking a lot tidier. I think people are going to start to think about um, what percent of every inspection is this going to cost me to do this? Which is amazing. It's music to our ears, right? Like the professionalizing and growing up of an industry of sorts, I think is happening. And I think yeah. that they get the, the companies that are acquiring others or merging, I think it's going to wake the average inspection company up because when a, I believe when consolidation happens and say you have like a, an RIA or super specter or whoever, they're going to do things well. When If they enter a market, it's going to be professional. There's going to be systems and it's going to be better competition for everyone in that market. It's going to yeah. hopefully raise everyone's game. And I hope that's the end result is everyone raises their game. I, I think it's going to raise everyone's game. I think that there's still going to be a place for, um, like I know a top agent who doesn't want to work with any multi-inspector firms <laughs> because they just want the exact known of inspector A, who is the owner, right? They just right. only want to work with that person. They only like the way that person talks. There's still going to be people who can can build a business around a couple of top agents. Um, but if if you're going to go multi-inspector route, the systems and processes and economic models of your competition are going to be really high quality. Yeah. Do you think more um, graceful exits will happen from here into the future? Like you just mentioned the one man shop. Like, yeah, I, I always felt sad when I think about someone building a business for 20 years, 30 years, and then they really don't get paid for it at the end. Yeah. You know, it, it, do you think that's going to happen a lot more? I, I think the sad thing is that they don't, that they have a false sense of what it's worth. Uh, so, yeah. um, you know, I would encourage people to, to, if they think that that may be their plan in a couple of years to, to get involved with any of their coaching groups and find out, you know, what are businesses selling for? Um, I, I think that's the sad part is that, you know, I, um, I talked to somebody uh, not in the inspection industry, but I interviewed someone for a business plan. And uh, he said, you know, my, my son doesn't want to go into business and um, I'm taking enough from my business and I've got some other stuff going on. He said, I don't really want to ever sell this business for a lot of money. He said, I'd be really cool. I've got this young employee that I'm coaching and bringing up. I think it'd just be really cool to give it to him one day. And I thought, how neat is that? How neat is that? So his plan wasn't to sell his business for a lot of money. And that might be somebody else's plan. Um, I've got a client that has a, a, a not a huge inspection business. But it gener has generated enough money over the years for him to purchase over 50 rental properties. Wow. So he doesn't need to sell that business for money. It's funded his other thing. I love that. I love I that. I love, I love that model too. Yeah. Yeah. Seed money for the next thing that generates even more. I think that's, I hope that's how most inspectors are thinking. Yeah. So what else can we riff on? We got a few minutes left. I want to be respectful of your time. What else What else did you have? Anything we want to put out there into the world? I love the nature of this conversation because it's so different from the other 98, you know, <laughs> yeah. 100, 102 episodes I've done. <laughs> uh, you asked, you asked, what is your favorite tool? And I know you usually ask inspectors that, but I was waiting <laughs> for you to ask me that. <laughs> yeah, it can be anything. Yeah, let's, let's give you the inspector questions. Favorite tool, uh, software, toy. Yeah. Uh, my favorite tool is the Excel's pivot tables function. <laughs> I love me some pivot tables. I wish I could make, I, I made in college. I had to, I haven't done it since. And it kills me that I don't know how to build a good pivot table. 
Yeah. Pivot tables allow me to do uh, about 90% of what I do when I, when I analyze somebody's business. So like, for example, in, in, if you were my client and you had a home inspection business and you were using Spectora, hmm. I would, I would do a download of everything. And then I would use ta the tables function to put every inspection type into a category. Mm -hmm. And then I would use pivot tables to tell you what category, how much of your work was residential, how much was commercial, how much was single service ancillary, and um, how much was like one other thing you do, the percent of business and the average fee for each. And I could do all of that in 15 minutes. And that would be insights alone that in most inspectors would probably find very useful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what pivot tables allow you to do. Pivot tables allow me to do market share because I do all that. And then I, I then I extract out all the inspections that aren't re related to residential real estate. Mm -hmm. And then I plop in the county and then I plop in the month. And all of a sudden I have inspections by month by county for three counties. Oh, sounds beautiful. Yeah. It's fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, a, I mean, is that something inspectors should even try to get comfortable with, like putting data into spreadsheets or are you more of the mindset, like outsource your weaknesses? Um, if you're a yeah. you know, solo man shop, it's like, find someone that's great at it. That can definitely, yeah. definitely just outsource that stuff. And, and again, there's, has to be a reason. There has to be a reason, um, that you want to know it. Like the reason would be, oh my gosh, my inspection counts are up, but my revenue is down. Why? then you would do something like that exercise. You wouldn't just do something like that on the regular. Um, yeah, and outsource it. There's and, and don't outsource it to anybody who doesn't really love it. Because people who love it, like me, um, like we we spend time reading about it. Like, you know, like there's a lady named Miss Excel and I follow her on TikTok. And she can teach you more about Excel on TikTok than you could possibly imagine. Uh, amazing. Yeah, so find some, find a geek. Get yourself geeky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even I mean, another tip, another tip would be if you have a university in your hometown that has a master's of business program, get an intern. Oh, that's a underutilized. Yeah. Yeah. And VAs. I mean, VAs are, are all over the place. A lot of talented ones out there. Somebody I know had a VA um, from Rocket Station who, who put my Excel skills to shame. She was amazing. She That's could awesome. do. Yeah. In fact, I had a problem I couldn't fix and I sent it to her. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, what other, yeah. What other tips and advice? Cause a lot of our listeners are solo operators or yeah. multis, I would say three to seven inspectors for the most part, yeah. any advice or kind of a parting words for the year that you would, you would give them. Uh, Be be really intentional about who you keep around you, who's going to be sharing their thoughts on business. And, um, you know, if you're in a coaching group, there's going to be hundreds of people in that coaching group. Find the people that you look up to. Don't be don't be shy about asking someone to mentor you. Uh, and I, you know, and I have heard that it's not a cool thing to say, would you be my mentor? But somebody somebody asked me recently, and I think it was one of the coolest things ever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, get a mentor. And, um, if you, if you don't want a mentor within the inspection industry, you can go to score score.org. It's service core of retired executives. Oh, cool. Sometimes you can get some good, good free advice there from retired executives. Um, but, but be intentional about, about wanting your path to be informed by really cool people. 
Oh, that's such great advice. That's good advice for I'll take I'll take some of your wisdom too. So give, give me some. I, of that. I have, you know, I'm the age I am. I have an MBA, and I have more than one mentor. So, yeah, I think everyone could use one. Hey, it's part of that growth mindset at the core. Like, are you yep. are you working on things? Are you trying to grow and improve? Yep. Aaron, we could probably do another hour um, just <laughs> on 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 all things business and you. But thank you. Um, this has been outstanding. I think this is this was packed full of mentality, inspiration, practical things inspectors can do, ton of value. So thank you so much for spending time with us. I know your time is valuable um, and you do so much for IEB and inspectors all over. So, Well, I love the industry and and I like any chance to talk to you. So, Yeah, we're, we're pumped to continue to working with you to, to like de- data-driven insights, you know, for our industry. Huge. I am looking so forward to meeting with you guys about that. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk soon. We'll see you, I'm sure, at the next conference, right? Yeah, I'll see you at the next conference. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Bye. Take care.